The following program is brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novos Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovosOrdoWatch.org. That's NovosOrdoWatch.org. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Catholic Home on the Restoration Radio Network. I'm your host, Teresa, and on this episode, I'm joined once again by our return guests, Louise and Jacinta. Today, we're continuing this series on the topic of children's TV and movies. We will continue on from last month's show with some analyses of Disney productions. Once again, we'll be discussing issues which will make parts of these episodes unsuitable for children, so parents, please make sure to listen to these out of earshot of your children. Welcome back, Louise. Thanks, Teresa. And welcome back, Jacinta. Thanks, Teresa. I'm glad I can be here to help you expose the evils of Disney. Well, last month, we gave a general overview of the common problems of mainstream movies and TV in general, and then we did zoom in on Disney and analyse Maleficent and Frozen quite in depth. Well, we ranted and raved a bit about how frightening it is that parents are stuffing their children in front of these shows to imbibe these evil doctrines with impunity. We must not only be as gentle as doves, but as wise as serpents, and we know that. So we all need to get a grip on reality and understand what this industry is really about, which is why we're bringing you this series of shows. And to this end, Louise, would you please get straight into it and present our findings on the Disney movie called Brave? Sure, Teresa. The thing is, when I first saw the advertisements for the movie Brave, I thought, wow, look at that modest dress that this uh, this heroine is wearing. And look at that obvious Irish accent. Perhaps this movie is set in Catholic Ireland, you know, back uh, several hundred years ago. I, I was thinking this is a possible movie that, that would be good for my family. And then, you know, I watched a couple of adverts and you're given the idea that this movie is a rollicking adventure and... It's got this heroine, you know, in it. Um, but in fact, the reality is it's just just the opposite is true. Unfortunately, the main character of this movie called Brave is full of extremely bad vice, which is on display throughout the whole film. This girl is a liar. She is selfish. She is destructive to her surroundings. She is contemptuous of both her parents and, in fact, everyone around her. She resorts to witchcraft to get her own way, which has a devastating effect on her whole family. But despite all this, she wins out in the end and all her evil and wickedness results in the adults actually gaining more respect for her and despite all the horrible ordeal that she's putting them through, decided that she's grown up. That's the end result she gets from her evil. And this is actually so far from how evil actually does end up in real life. This is the fairy tale of this film. Teaching children doing all this evil is going to have a good result, which it never, never will. It's teaching children that evil is the way to gain respect and to achieve all our aims. But this movie is actually horrific in other ways. It's it's actually, in my opinion, is like a horror movie for children. It shows all mankind as a despicable bunch and it brings evil happenings to dizzying heights. The main theme, as, as I've said, is rank selfishness in the lead female character. She is supposed to be the image of bravery. The movie is called Brave. But there are other evil elements. These include witchcraft, occultism. Um, the main character in this movie, the princess, casts a spell via a witch on her mother, the queen, which turns her into a bear. This is demonic, shape-shifting stuff. And ironically, her father, the king, and all his associates just happen to be bear hunters. Every male character is typically a total loser. They're all revolting in some way or other. And the feminist promo is obvious with all the usual features. Revolt against traditions is flagrant. And I should add here that there is a great deal of symbolism in most of these animated movies, but they certainly aren't Catholic symbols. And one wonders, given these films are funded by the Illuminati, what these symbols actually are and what they represent. It is a bit of a worry that we're bringing the exposure to all these symbols into our homes and to our children. 
For example, in Frozen, there is a cathedral coronation ceremony complete with a bishop, but no Catholic symbolism is in his vestments, accoutrements, or in the architecture. Whether such portrayals simply lack the true symbolism or whether they be substituted with false ones, either way, it is wrong. Similarly, Brave is riddled with strange symbols. They are all over the place and some seem Freemasonic or occultist, though most I'm unfamiliar with. The point being that we should know what these symbols are before we unquestionably immerse our children in front of them. Very early is a scene where it's implied that the king pinches the queen's backside. This is more typical, suggestive, prurient junk, typical from Disney. And to make it very clear that the heroine isn't ladylike by being an archer, the queen criticises the king for his giving their daughter a bow and arrow for her birthday, saying, but she's a lady. The child princess sees magical lights in the forest one day and then returns to her parents to say she has seen will-o'-the-wisps. The father scoffs and the mother tells her, seemingly disapproving of him, Oh, your father doesn't believe in magic. The very young daughter replies, well, he should because it's true. So it's promoting magic right from the start and before even four minutes into the film, the mother has openly undermined the father's authority twice and the daughter has corrected him too. It's just that attitude that comes out in all of these child characters and all of these mainstream movies. And parents wonder why their children answer back and why they have no control over them. Yes, that's it. Children take the cue from what's put in, what's what they're watching and what's put in front of them. That's how to behave. They're trying to learn how to navigate this world. And they, they our Lord calls us sheep for a reason because sheep do follow. They follow the shepherd. They follow the sheep around them. And, and that's what, you know, little children are like. They follow exactly the example set before them. Like, well, they're meant to be following the example of the saints. That's right. I was going to say, since we're going off on a tangent, just kind of before you continue with your expose of Brave, I don't know if this is true, but it was posited back in like the 70s, someone was telling me that Walt Disney, I mean, you know, he's subclaimed that he was a 33-degree mason, which, of course, we have no way of knowing that, but they, the claim was that he was a high-ranking Freemason and he was set up to come out with something such as animals to substitute the cultists of the saints so Catholic children would not be reading and learning and imitating the saints. I've heard that, yeah. Yes, and yeah. you think about it, that's why we have the saints for imitation. That's why we give it to our children. So even if that wasn't the purpose behind why he did it, the fact remains that's precisely what's happened. Yes, indeed. It, this has substituted the saints. That's the what children want to be like the characters in these films instead. Yes, and often animals. <laughs> so anyway, well, let's continue with this continue. horrid movie. The movie uh, has pagan, druid and, and pantheistic overtones throughout the whole film. And just to review the film, just first of all in the princess's point of view, she feels that she's getting away with nothing, that her three brothers get away with murder and she feels that her mother controls every moment of her life. Her mother presents the standard moral virtues as the ideal to her daughter and encourages her to strive for perfection. Good. Which clearly the princess is not interested in. Rather, she delights in the day every now and then when she doesn't have to strive for these virtues. This day is the one of freedom from restraint that she sees as the day, quote, I can change my fate. Cue the dramatic music and song, which is a revel in this liberation amidst breathtaking landscapes as the heroine scales a rocky pinnacle, quite a rock climbing feat by any stretch, with no equipment other than her bare hands. So this this movie is all about her shirking her responsibilities, not wanting to follow the traditions of her family, not wanting to follow her parents' wise advice, but to strike out against everything that they've taught her and, and do the opposite of, of all that. It's a tearing down of traditions that yes. these movies are trying to achieve. That's it. It's tearing out of the achieved. idea that the parents know best. It's mm-hmm. saying, no, the children know best. And the children know best. Parents don't know anything. That's right. There's some very unusual lyrics in this movie, very new age and weird lyrics, which simply do not belong in a children's movie. I'd like to read some from the song called Like I'm Alive. It says, every day is the same. I'm alive, but I'm not living. There's no one I can blame. I'm either sinking or I'm swimming. There's more to life than just ordinary. There's got to be more. Well, straight away that tells me that she thinks her life of virtue and striving after perfection is just ordinary. She wants something more. Hmm. She thinks that's boring. Chorus, 
It's not enough to just go through the motions, sleepwalking through life. It's not enough just to get by. I want to live. I want to live like I'm alive. Funny how life can seem like a scene from some bad movie, so painfully boring. All the drama with no happy ending. There's more to life than just ordinary, and it goes on. So you can see that what she's really trying to do is she's equating a life without the occult as ordinary and boring. And she's trying to get the message through that if you mix up your life with evil, that will spice it up and all these interesting things will happen and you'll live a very exciting, adventurous life. That's what that song is portraying when I read it in the context of this film. There's another song here that might be worth looking at. It says, Touch the Sky. When the cold wind is calling and the sky is clear and bright, misty mountains sing and beckon, lead me out into the light. I will ride, I will fly, chase the wind and touch the sky. I will fly, chase the wind and touch the sky. Where dark woods hide secrets and mountains are fierce and bold, deep waters hold reflections of times lost long ago. I will hear their every story, take hold of my own dream, be as strong as the seas are stormy and proud as an eagle's scream. We'll see again, these are Encouraging all... Like, pride. Yeah, self-empowerment sort of films, aren't they? Very much, very new age. Indeed. There's a lot of new age yeah. in there. Yeah, there's, there's nothing humble about that or uh, meek in any way. So we're just moving on from the songs there. The princess at one point steals a platter of sweet buns and, of course, she gets away with it, then blatantly undermines the mother's authority and later insists that her three sons eat their nourishing dinner but the heroine's sister sneaks these sweet buns under the table to her brothers and, of course, they all get away with that too. So they're stealing, disobeying the mother and getting away with it. This is the message they're teaching our children. That's right, yes. Not our children, other people's children. <laughs> Hopefully they will. This, people will wake well, up and they'll stop letting them teach This them is the message stuff. they want to teach our children. They want to undermine all the efforts that good Catholic parents are putting into their children day in, day out. They want to knock all that away. They want to undermine our authority. And they're doing a very good job of it. And make us pay for it while they're while they're at it. And I tell you, as a teacher who teaches in a non-Catholic school, so I'm I'm teaching children who, you know, come from a range of different backgrounds, you see that they have no discipline and they get surprised when I try to actually discipline them and it's because of the fact that they've been growing up or I suppose one reason is because they've been growing up with these kind of messages just drummed into them. Mm, it's absolutely foreign, totally foreign to them to actually have any boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. And to hear the word no. Yeah, they're taken aback sometimes when you actually try to, you know, instill some boundaries in them. It's unbelievable. Mm. But this is how it's happened. We've got um disrespect for authority, we've got theft. We've just got disobedience, yes, so keep going. Well, the other thing that's in here is, um, unfortunately, exposed breasts and cleavage zoomed right in on the camera, and this is emphasised on a servant woman at least nine in nine different scenes. It's very realistic and very suggestive. And we have to remember, this is not an accidental wardrobe malfunction on a live play or performance or some kind of accident. This is drawn in on purpose. There's absolutely nine no times. <laughs> nine times. Nine times. There's no need for this to be put in the film. It's it's absolutely gross. There's one scene that has her hiding a key in her amply exposed cleavage, and one of the little boys who has been changed into a bear. More on that later. He jumps into it to obtain the key. Yuck! This is just disgusting. This is disgusting. And it's it's dealing with children. It's mixing. This is aimed for preschoolers and primary school age children. It's gross for an adult and it's outrageous for children. Then a scene of outrageous disobedience in the form of direct defiance of the heroine against her mother and then she storms out of the room. She's next seen throwing a tantrum, literally hacking at her bedpost with a weapon, followed by totally disrespectful, spoilt brat behaviour towards her mother. Nothing is done about this either by the mother or the father. More acts of defiance against her mother's commands are made. The bottom line is that the princess wants to shirk her responsibilities for her own selfish interests, knowing that her kingdom will be in receipt of declarations of war as a result. What a great model for your children, huh? Considering the amount of violence in this movie and most children's movies and TV over the decades, it is outrageous that child psychologists dare to claim 
that parents spanking their children is what is causing children to be violent towards their peers. What a joke. No. Yeah, no mention of these movies and at the same time trying to stop parents from disciplining their children. It's a joke. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's absurd. So many other factors that cause that. Not smacking, I think. Yeah, it's a yes. lack of smacking. Yes, and Indeed. then when you see the incredible violence that is across so many children's movies, even those old Looney Tunes, and mm. I don't want to make a federal case out of the violence because that's just one aspect because there's much more serious aspects going on, but it still is a bad aspect in itself. So that's horrible. But very good point, Louise, about the child psychologist making those claims. It's really stacked against the parents, isn't it? You know, yes. Let them watch all this. Let them listen to all this. Don't discipline them. You know, it's... A recipe for an absolute disaster. It's just handing them straight over lock, stock and barrel to the devil, isn't it? Without a fight, without a whimper. Here you mm. go. Have my child on a golden platter. But, you know, once we've woken up to this, this this can make a big difference to a yes. child to avoid all this. And we hope that if all our listeners will really, really take this to heart and go through their DVD collections with a fine-tooth comb and... If you must, just teach the lot and you'll be surprised at the improvement I'm sure that your children will have as a result. Well, at one point, one of the noble clansmen is wearing a kilt. He bends over. He lifts his kilt, thus flashing his rear at others while saying, feast your eyes on this. Those who view his no longer, quote, private parts start dry reaching. And then upon witnessing this, the king commands negatively to the queen, oh, grand, guess who's coming to dinner? Then adds looking towards the seat reserved for the flasher. By the way, hope you don't mind being called Lady Dick. Isn't this absolutely lewd and perverse? It's, it's absolutely disgusting. Who would think of these these lines to put in a movie? But again, they're just little bits where parents would probably overlook them and, you know, think that it's a suitable movie for children. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Yes, I think, I think pa- parents might think, oh, they, they've forgotten that they're doing a, a children's movie here. Or how did that slip in there? Do you know what this selling thing is? That we understand that parents are going to be watching with the children as well. So we have the adult humour in there as well. So the parents who are forced to take the kids to these countless mm. dumb yeah. movies are going to have their little form of entertainment It's like two well. layers of humour in it. And I, I think yeah, but I don't buy that. Because, A, what business are adults being entertained with something like this sort of stuff you're talking about? Seriously, like that's not entertaining and it shouldn't be. We shouldn't be interested in, in, in toilet humour. And the fact that they're saying it's got the two levels, those don't think that those children, if they yeah. see this continually, the same sorts of things under different forms, but the same messages under different forms across the board repeatedly, they're going to be conditioned and they're going to be picking this stuff up. And even if they don't then, they as they it. get older, they're going to. I, th- I think one movie that's, you know, really um, highlights the way they've tried to do that is, again, Shrek. And Shrek is more than just a fractured fairy tale. Shrek is an absolute turning over and inversion and just, it's annihilating. Like the dragon. It's annihilating. Ogre. Like, and they're all the good characters. Well, and... she's supposed to turn into the human and then when she turns, stay, it turns out that no, you end up. She ends up ter- becoming a full time ogre, o- ogress, <laughs> and that's okay, and everyone's okay with that. Uh, they're just they're undermining all the Christian traditions, all the fairy tales, everything. So and it's just mm. disgusting. That particular movie was high. It was particularly gross. <laughs> there was a lot of toilet toilet humor in that. Yes, yeah. way too much. But this one obviously is just continuing in the same genre as Shrek. Well, it goes on. Then Merida, in a blatant feminist rebellion against tradition, gets up to compete with the firstborns in an archery contest for her hand in marriage. Then, because she's confined by her dress, she says, oh, curse this dress, and rips it open at a few seams, exposing her undergarments, just so she can shoot her arrow. She begins shooting, and her mother commands, Merida, stop this. Yet she outright disobeys her mother, keeps shooting her arrows with her torn and revealing dress in front of everyone. Her mother makes two more explicit commands and she heads towards her naughty daughter and both times her daughter ignores her commands. Then it leads into a slow motion dramatic scene. The music starts where her arrow flies straight into the centre of the target, splitting the arrow already in the centre, thus beating the winner male suitor's arrow. And as the crowd watches in awe, 
This is followed by the most outrageous scene of defiance of a child to a mother that I have ever seen, where the girl ends her fit of rage by cutting with the sword the royal family's tapestry, which has been lovingly made by the mother over many, many years. Then the horrible daughter runs away because the mother threw her bow into the fire. We are shown eventually the mother weeping and saying, oh, no, what have I done? Because it's her fault. As if it's her fault. So the clear implication is that the child is justified in her actions, but the mother is at fault. And then lo and behold, as she runs away madly on a horse, she falls off the horse and finds herself in a clearing in the forest, right in the middle of a circle of tall stones, just like Stone Edge. Similar to in Frozen. Exactly. Yes. Yep. Typical witchcraft ceremonial circular clearing. Yeah. The horse refuses to enter the circle for obvious reasons, and then we see the same blue lights appear that she called Will-o'-the-Wisps when she was very young. She follows the blue lights, which lead to a little cottage in the woods built into the ground, and inside she finds an old woman who is clearly a witch surrounded by wood carvings. She asks who she is and is told, only a humble woodcarver. Then she asks why the will of the wisps led her here then. She hears, she sees the broom sweeping by itself and comments on that, but the witch replies, this is just nonsense. The witch repeatedly lies. The witch asks if she wants to buy anything, saying everything is half price, and then suggests a carved picture. We see a close-up, and of course it's a sacrilegious mockery of Michelangelo's The Creation of Adam, where God and Adam are portrayed as, unfortunately, as animals that look like bears. This is really sickening. It's horrible. Mm. Once Merida realises that she is definitely a witch, she wants her to help change her fate by changing her mother. She offers... Try changing yourself! <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> she offers her a precious medal for all the wood carvings and one spell. And this is followed by a creepy witchcraft-laden scene, complete with a cauldron of bubbling green, then blue, then gold liquid, and green gases and other witchy and magical aspects are depicted. And, of course, there is the pet raven, and the witch pulls out one of Merida's hairs to make her potion. It's just loaded with witchcraft. It's almost giving the children details on how to do it, using human hair and using belongings. I think this is Mm. actually part of real witchcraft. When Merida returns home with the spell, it's presented as a yummy-looking cake, her mother is relieved to see her and tells her that she needn't worry as she has worked out with the noblemen, who are far from noble, of course, that the marriage competition is off for the time being but says a decision is still to be made. Then, sickeningly, Merida offers her mother this cake that came out of the cauldron, lying to her, saying, it's a peace offering, I made it for you. And the mother is touched by this, unknowing the evil malice that was actually in her daughter's heart at that moment. This cake, then eaten by the mother, makes her very ill. And before too long, she transforms and the mother turns into an enormous black bear. How horrible is that? She's become a beast. She's it's a little bit like, it reminds me of... Um, Snow White, but in Snow White, the witch is the evil one who offers the apple. Here she's offering the cake, but the person offering the cake is actually supposed to be the good one. Yes, indeed. So again, it's inversion. Yes, yes it is. It's all mixed up. Yeah. That's right. Black is white and white is black. Yeah. What does this do to poor little minds that are built for truth and goodness, that are trying to no find their so way many in this world? have so many issues. Yeah, this is totally cruel to, to present this to children. So the daughter repeatedly claims that it's not her fault that her mum changed into a bear and the blame-shifting attitude of the heroine continues that we have seen shown right from the start. She keeps on blaming the witch. Then there is the grossness in the film. There's a gross scene where one of the little boy's nose has snot hanging out of it. Oh, that was particularly sickening. It was so graphic and disgusting. Yes, base really, isn't it? It's, isn't it? it's, it's not the arts. No, yeah. it shouldn't be in a film. And it just adds another dimension to the films. It's actually an insult to the people watching this film. These filmmakers are insulting us by putting that in front of us, subjecting oh, us to Oh, the children that. would probably be laughing and thinking it's so funny. Yeah? Mm. Well, 
we, we should be cultivating a good sense of humour in our children. We should be cultivating something a little bit higher than, mm. than this kind of no, disgusting. That's for sure. That wouldn't be hard. <laughs> if that was the only thing wrong with the film. That would be. <laughs> oh, you're right. The bar is very, very low. <laughs> That's oh, right. Man. It gets uh, even worse. Well, listeners, you we're probably thinking this is disgusting, but it's getting it actually gets worse. It gets worse. There is a scene where all the men are shown walking past with naked backsides in close-up detail. Just because this is an animation, don't think that it's it's not gross and it's not pornographic. It actually is. And this is one of those movies that where the, the animation is actually very realistic. That's the thing with these um, computer-generated um, animations. They include things that, you know, if it was an actual movie, you'd be horrified, but people think it's okay because it's an animation. But the computer animation is actually very realistic um, these days. You know, back back in the day, you know, the 2D animation, not so much so, but nowadays it is. It may as well be photographed yeah, for yeah. how realistic it is. Well, of course, they take photographs and they add animation over the top to get the exact look that they're looking for. That's how realistic it is. So yeah. You never know when you're looking at any film, whether it's actually just a clean skin piece of film or how much how much drawing is actually on there. So, yeah. you know, we don't know. You know, the old saying, seeing is believing, that's that's far from it nowadays. You know, you're, you're looking at drawings that look superbly real, you know. But continuing on, um, they return to the witch to get a solution for this curse. Well, that's going to work. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to the source of our problems. And there are repeated creepy magic scenes at this point. Then there is a scene where the heroine is preaching to all the men where she says, legends are lessons, they ring with truth, which is actually very telling because mm. Disney knows this fact very mm. well and it proves his guilt because he's intentionally inverting all the Christian legends into satanic counterfeit lies. And they've been doing this for decades. Yes, they've, they've shown their hand. They The fact that they've put that in there. It's funny, know, they always give us little clues about their agenda, don't yeah, they? Yeah. You just got to look for them. That's right, they do. Yes. Yes. It's, it's a little bit of digging and it all comes to the But surface. they know that, you know, a very, very small percentage of people who actually watch these movies are going to are going to find them it's almost like they're sort of making it obvious and getting a laugh because they're, they're it's almost like flaunting it in our yeah face. yeah exactly yeah. they're throwing it in your face that's right look what we're doing you don't even know <coughs> yeah mm. this is followed by a change of heart on behalf of the princess who confesses she has been selfish and that she will amend the broken kingdom that she caused but here comes the inversion she does so on the approval of the queen by saying that she will do this by breaking tradition so that all of the kingdom are free to follow their heart and essentially to do what they want, accompanied by violins and sentimentality cutesiness. It's a little bit like the let it go, isn't it? Yes, yes. follow your follow heart and let it go. Follow yeah. your heart is another key phrase of the whole this whole new age cult of man. Do what thou wilt. Mainstream thing, exactly. It's all part of that same that's thing. Right. The Satanist Alistair Crowley, do no, what thou wilt will be the whole of the law. Well, that's exactly right. That's what he said. Well, and that's what's preached in this movie, word, virtually word for word, isn't it? Yeah. Let it go. Let all the morals go. Let all the doctrines go. Let all the traditions go. Let it go and do what you want. You know, that's what this Do what makes you happy. Which never does. And conversely, so it's do what makes you happy, but conversely, don't do anything that you don't want to do. So if your parents are telling you to do something, don't do it if you don't want to. Yeah. Because that doesn't make you happy. That's right. And you can get away with it yeah. by just ignore your parents. They're, they're yeah. not authority. They're just they a joke. They're pathetic. You know, look at all these heroines in the in the film. They don't they don't obey their parents. Why should you? You know. And yeah. particularly your dad, he doesn't know anything. He's just oh, he's a bumbling a, fool. He's complete yes. buffoon. That's right. But <laughs> that like you said, that do the what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law that Alistair Crowley's satanic doctrine, it's blatantly preached in this movie, as you said, and as we hope to demonstrate amply today to our listeners, this doctrine is in some way preached in every mainstream children's production, and we found it in every single one we've looked at. Continuing on, the blue lights or the will of the wisp, they lead the princess to that Stonehenge-like circular opening, and the grand finale of the movie takes place within this enclosure, and this is where we also find that the blue lights are, in fact, spirits of the dead. So she's being led by the spirits mm. of the dead. 
That's creepy. Mm. And they didn't lead her on to a good thing, so you can assume that they are spirits of the damned, mm. can't we? Because they didn't do her a good turn by taking her there. To, the, to, the, to there into the witch's house. That's right, to get a bad spell. The only potential saving grace to this film is that the princess does show sincere repentance for causing the curse that changed her mother into a bear, which causes the curse to be removed. But they then wreck this by making it clear that it is not only the daughter changing her view that removes the curse, but the mother had to change hers too. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Even though the mother was only asking her to do her duty Duty as the princess of the realm and, and to you know, follow the the good traditions. So then more nudity is shown with the three little boys who had also been turned into bears. They turned back into humans, but they had no clothes on at that time. They didn't have to be that way. They could have magically came back in their clothes. Well, it's even though it's animated, as you pointed out, it's still desensitising children to nudity. Mm. That's what it's doing. Yes, and it's making children laugh at immodesty. But it's not a joke. It's trivialise it, yeah. Yeah, it's a serious mortal sin, and that's just making a joke of it. The closing message preached is, quote, our fate lives within us and you only have to be brave enough to see it. The last dynamic thing we see in this movie is a will-o'-the-wisp. The closing song sums up the rebellious theme. It's called Learn Me Right. I can't speak English. <laughs> mm. Indeed. Though I may speak some tongue of old, or even spit out some holy word. Fancy saying spit out a holy word. And when they say speak tongue of old, would that be referring to witchcraft maybe? I think that the movie had a very, like we said, the, the Celtic Druid type of paganism is the pre-paganism that they are particularly um, reaching into to produce this movie. That's that particular style of paganism they've gone with as opposed to the Egyptian or what have you. Yeah, it's a more ancient one of old. Um, I have no strength with which to speak. When you sit me down and see I'm weak. We will run and scream. You will dance with me. We'll fulfil our dreams and we'll be free. We will run and scream. We will dance with me. We'll fulfil our dreams and we'll be free and we'll be who we are. And they'll heal our scars. Sadness will be far away. So I had done wrong, but you put me right. My judgment burned in the black of night. I will give less than I take. It was my fault, my own mistake. We will run and scream. We will dance with me, it goes on. So, you know, it's still got that rebellious theme oh, it's, in the music. Yes, very much so. And like running and screaming, you know. And it's just another shocker movie. The thank you, Disney. You know, thanks for nothing. Actually, this movie's along the same lines as that Disney cartoon series that's called Witch. Yes, our listeners, I'm not kidding. In case you didn't <laughs> catch what Louise mentioned earlier, there was actually a TV series for Littleys called Witch, which is all about five teenage girl witches. But, of course, they claim that despite the acronym, they aren't really witches. They just happen to have been given power over the five elements. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing witchy about that, is there? That's normal. Yeah. Well, actually, this, this series is loaded with New Age and Wiccan elements. And the witches, oh, that's right, we're told we aren't allowed to call them witches. But despite the title of the series and their magical powers. But anyway, these witches sing, or should I say scream like banshees in the heavy rock thing song. It's really heavy. We are witch. They're virtually yelling that. And these are presented as glamorous idols, these girls, to encourage young girls to imitate them. Mm, mm. So if we could sort of sum up so far of what we've discussed in these shows on Disney, I mean, I guess the best way to put it is just make no mistake, fundamentally Disney has been veiled sorcery presented to the masses, including Christians, as their entertainment, and it gradually became less failed over time to the point now where a lot of the sorcery is no longer even hidden anymore. And sadly, the, almost the whole world has fallen for this deceit. So I suppose it, it kind of mirrors what's happened in the church with the gradualism. If, if they'd come out, you know, gone from Snow White and the Seven Dwarves to what we have now, just suddenly no one would accept it. Exactly. Would question it. But it's done gradually. I think. What really helped me understand just why there was so much evil in these movies and these TV shows and the mainstream media in general, and it, it covers computer games, it's it's a huge picture. But once you realise that the same organised forces who are responsible for the Novus Ordo, counterfeit religion, the same Freemasonic forces are the same ones behind the mainstream movies. So they're going to use the same techniques and the technique of gradualism works and they know it well just into getting away from the sorcery filled 
rebellious feminist princess and new age indoctrination films like these we've discussed um, and in our last show, like Maleficent and Frozen as well, as well as the one Tangled, which we didn't touch on, but it's in the same category. What other mess of pottage has Disney slash Pixar dished up lately? Well, um, some of the more recent movies are Big Hero 6 and Inside Out. So Inside Out is all about feelings and emotions. Um, so and nothing. Yes, I know, very important. Um, because, again, you know, we have to do what makes us feel good. So the first trailer opens with a sulking young girl displaying bad attitude towards her mother just for something different. <laughs> and she also rolls her eyes at her father and is grossly disrespectful. She even yells, just shut up. And you see kids talk to their parents like this and you wonder why the parents are okay with it. The parents are okay with it because they're shown that that's, that's how they're supposed to act by these movies. Yeah. The kids Indeed. are shown that it's okay with yes. it, that their parents should be okay with it because mm. wonder no longer because they're not only training the children, they're actually training yeah. the adults as well. Yeah. Yes, they are. So she's sent by her father to her room for this and her father consi- considers it a close call from becoming a disaster. Then the mother's shown considering that it was a disaster. So as expected, the father's depicted as an idiot who's always thinking about sport and the mother daydreams about other men. That's chunky. Again, for a kid's show, (laughs) totally not appropriate. Yeah, it's it's scandalous. And it's setting kids up. I mean, you wonder why there are so many broken homes. From a young age, you know, preschool kids, they're showing that this is okay. It's not okay. Mm. So in just a few minutes of the trailer, we see the attack on the family unit is very grave and especially on the authority of the father. But it gets worse. Each emotion is made out to be an actual entity, kind of creepy and new age-ish. Mm, yeah. And they say, we're Riley's emotions. We're what makes Riley Riley. So basically it's the whole entire movie is a promotion of the modernist sentimentality. So the whole idea of focusing not on, on the will and the intellect but on the emotions. Mm, and the soul of man is just not even alluded to here. Yeah. It's, 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 all it's, it's actually excluded. It's saying that if you don't follow your, mo- your emotions, you're not following yourself, as though that yeah. is the you're core of yourself. yourself. But it's not the core of yourself. Mm. The core of yourself, as you say, is, is your will. And your emotions are, we know from Catholic doctrine, fallen human nature, that the emotions are out of control. They have to be reined back in by the will. So this is just telling you the same old thing. Follow mm-hmm. your emotions. Yeah. Um, so this is, this is basically, as we're just saying, it's an attack on Catholic principles and I don't think we can let our children watch a movie like this without being gravely culpable. And just as a side note, Riley has been a boy's name for centuries up until the 1990s when it was kind of introduced also as a girl's name. So in this movie, Riley is a girl. And this kind of makes me think that it's part of the you know blurring of the genders thing that we've been seeing all around us, so this sort of androgynous um, thing. Yeah, it's very big push in the yeah. mainstream media. Yeah. yeah, they're making a lot of headway with that push too, if you mm-hmm. look around. They've yeah. made a lot. The names of, of children and the, the hairstyles of men and the clothing, and well, they've made a lot of headway with that. You know, who could tell? Sometimes you can't tell someone walking down the street, is that a male or a female? You can't tell. Yeah, and the, I mean, there are prophecies telling us that, and sometimes, you know, you'll, you'll look at people and think, well, what are you when <laughs> you think of that prophecy? <laughs> yes, there's definitely do. And same for children. I've seen plenty of boys with long hair and, you know, we see plenty of little girls with short hair and pants on and, yeah, you, you know, and with children sometimes you really can't tell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, especially if they're all called Riley. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, maybe we're being paranoid, but I don't know if anyone else has noticed the insertion of the rainbow themes in recent children's movies and merchandise. So it's it's hard to tell actually whether they're in there as part of the New Age rainbow agenda or whether it's the LGBT rainbow agenda. Both of these have sort of stolen the same symbol and it's it's a sacrilege in its own right because it's a sacred symbol given to us by God himself as a sign of his promise after the flood. More flaunting. Yes, yes. Hmm, it's sacrilegious too. Yeah, throwing it in God's face, isn't it? Yeah. It yeah. makes you wonder, I mean, well, it's true, but the the New Age and the LGBT actually overlap. 
Yeah. They have both have occultist origin. It's interesting they're coming up in both. So the, the New Agers are very doggedly hanging on to we had it first, you know, and they're like, that's ours. And they have all these explanations of what it symbolizes. But then you've got the, the Sodomitic crowd who were claiming it for themselves as well. I mean, they both come from the same source. They both come out of hell. Yeah, it is interesting, but I have noticed that is huge. It really, it's very prevalent. Okay. I've noticed actually, I don't know if it's the same in America, but I know here, particular restaurants that are uh, gay-friendly or homosexual-friendly, they'll actually stick a rainbow sticker oh, yeah. on the front window so that you'll know that that's the case. Oh. Yes, that's been around for a while now. Yeah, it tells me what restaurants I should not eat at. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so it's nice of them to put that on there for Thanks me. Thanks for the warning. Yeah. Let's run. If someone else my business. So anyway, back to the movie. The main girl character is wearing a rainbow shirt in parts of the movie and we see a scene where one of the emotions shows adulation, as people do towards movie and rock stars, to what she calls the rainbow unicorn. So a double New Age symbolism is obvious here. Yeah. So I'm not going to really bother explaining more about Inside Out because what I've said is more than enough for you to know that this film is bad. And, in fact, it's very aptly named. I mean, it, it turns reality, as it has been revealed to us by God, completely inside out. You know, what's right is wrong, do what thou wilt, all those sort of messages are in it again. So that's another one you have to stay away from, everybody. So, well, we don't want to avoid Disney per se anyway, but just for some listeners who might not be aware of that, it's really important to to be aware of just, just how much rot is incorporated into these productions Mm -hmm. so louise would you mind telling us about this big hero six sure Teresa. it's a bit uh, intriguing this one my son saw an an ad on the back of a bus or something and he was immediately drawn to this straight away well he hasn't seen it thank goodness (laughs) i don't think he ever will he got a bit of vitamin n no (laughs) (laughs) a lot of people are deficient in that these days (laughs) Um, so this one is all about artificial in- intelligence and transhumanism via technology. The non-human main character is a robot. He is godlike in some respects and in his abilities and his benevolence towards mankind. Then in the movie Six Humans, through technology, become superheroes. If you didn't know, the satanic occultism behind transhumanism, superhero quest for immortality beliefs, of the Illuminati cult, then I suggest you research that. And you'll come up with quite a lot if you look at that on the internet. You can see some um, on YouTube there are some good, quite short um, clips about it that can give you just an overview of it, or you can see ones that go for a couple of hours and get right into the nitty-gritty. Yeah, and it's interesting that absolutely incredibly bizarre doctrine of Teilhard de Chardin is actually being rehashed in all this these modern movies. I mean, mm. it's just you don't even know where you come up with this and stuff. They're trying to evolve into into gods. Yes. And the, and this, this biotechnology movie, or whatever they can. Which takes you right back to the Garden of Eden when the devil said, um, you will be like gods. Yes. It's but, that Gnosticism. It's all just repackaged. It's it's humans not being satisfied with the position God has given them in the in the scheme of things. I mean, you know, we have to be satisfied with our with our gender and the fact that we're not an angel. We need to accept God's will for us and, and not aspire pridefully to to have all these powers above our nature. You know, that's mm. how I view it. It's it's the devil is just appealing to our pride and trying to put the carrot in front of us. Come and worship me and you can be like gods in one way or another. But continuing on about this film, the theme songs are expectedly very telling, which include one called Top of the World and the closing song is called Immortals. There we go. The latter is by a group named Fallout Boy and a quick internet search revealed them as a very weird-looking four-man band. At least three of them are heavily tattooed on the arms and maybe they are the current version of the Beatles as far as their intended destructive role over society goes. Who knows? But anyway, the musics and lyrics are horrible and they are creepy. The lyrics of Top of the World, the central theme song, which express the essence of what this movie is all about, are also diabolical. They are as follows. On top of the world, on top of it all, trying to feel invincible, dying on top of the world. I remember the nights caught up in dreaming my goodbyes, 
watching the door for anything more than an ordinary life. Well, we've heard that before. Mm, sounds familiar. I remember the days, new beginnings on an open page with something to prove and nothing to lose, not a soul to betray. Wow, oh. nothing to lose, not a soul to be in the same phrase. Yes. They're, not a soul to betray. That's scary. They're definitely, they're just trying to knock that belief right out of people that wow. you don't have a soul to Like we're saying, it's blatant now. Mm. It goes on, on top of the world, on top of it all, trying to feel invincible. I'm dying on top of the world. I remember the lies. Caught up in building paradise. The angels were slaves and demons behaved. Well, there's an inversion for you. Everything is all right. Here I am living a dream that I can't hold. Here I am on my own, on top of the world, on top of it all, trying to feel invincible. I'm dying on top of the world. Is that a death to the soul, do you think? Sounds like death to the soul to me. I hear the crowds beneath me. I'm wishing they could reach me, but I'm on top of the world. I'm up here. I'm dying alone. This is very morbid, isn't it? Yeah. Inside mm. the walls of gold, outside of happiness, it's all been a show. Too late to confess. How this about is that one? Horrible. So we talk about losing his soul, or no soul to lose, and then too late to confess. Too late to confess. It's a very terrible lyrics that they're brainwashing children with. Yeah. No room for heart and soul. No room for innocence. I mean, if this doesn't alert Catholic parents, what will? I mean, this, yeah. is, this is denying Catholic doctrine left, right and centre, you know. So the, the band that delivers this Gnostic satanic message is called Greek Fire, which is very appropriate, as I expect this is the weapon they are unleashing on the world. is resulting in a fire that is very hard to put out, just like the Greek fire of old. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. It's catchy. It sticks in the mind. You can't get rid of it. There are, of course, the usual problems sprinkled throughout the movie in addition to its underlying theme. Once again, the main character loses his only family member, so he's being his older brother early in the piece. So so I suppose that's teaching children to uh, not depend on their family or to, uh, you know, strike or trying to... The independence thing. Independence and, and perhaps um, trying to... No authority. To, yeah, trying to... To detach you from your family, mm. they're, that they're you they're going to die, you know that sort of thing. They're not to be relied upon. That, that's yeah. how I would interpret yeah. it. It's yeah. actually an attack on the security of, of a child in the family setting. That sort of thing. It's right. is so heavily heavily so included. The, in this the child's thing. got to detach from the family and find something else to attach to. Yes, which is going to be what they're telling it. The occult and and it's also it. taking away what should be their main sort of. Yeah, authority yes. figure. Yeah. Mm. And that's when all the fun starts in the film. Get rid of the authority figure and then all this exciting adventure yeah. unfolds. But uh, so this happens early in the piece. He loses his brother and what else happens? Then there's bad language. Blasphemy even against Our Lady is in there. Um, there is a terribly frightening evil character in this film I mean, honestly, it's just too scary for, for children to watch. This character is able to move with unnatural speed and it's actually really creepy to watch. I really? think mean nightmares. <laughs> I, seen I only looked at the trailers, so I, 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 don't, I don't watch this, movies really, but I had to for this show. And I hope our listeners appreciate what we <laughs> went through. <laughs> that is that is this creepy, scary movie. Again, it's just totally unsuitable. I don't know what, how they dare pitch it at children. Unbelievable. Well, is that is that it or have you got more on there? I mean, that's plenty, but that's, that's about <laughs> you it. You don't want any more than that. But what's interesting is the common themes we're seeing, the, the yeah. killing off of the family, do what thou wilt. Um, the evil characters are actually good and and use occultism to get your way. We see this through every movie. This can't be an accident. And I mean, this is a deliberate plot. As we're saying, it's one thing for a child to watch one movie once. It's another thing for a child to watch that one movie, you know, once a day. And it's another thing for that child to watch that movie once a day and, you know, other movies that have exactly the same message every yeah, day as well. Yeah, it's precisely the problem, well, it's, it's so many problems, not funny, but precisely the enormity of the problem is exactly what you're saying is the same message is being delivered under slightly different packaging mm. and they don't even realise that they're getting the same message, more well, same core messages 
in all of it repeatedly. So even if one child doesn't particularly like this particular Big Hero 6 and maybe it's not their thing, well, they're going to get the same message in, in Brave and Frozen and Maleficent and all the others as well. So it's the, making sure it's been hammered in every single one. That, that's got the end result basically showing the child will deduce this is the reality of the world around me. Mm-hmm. I've seen it again and again and again and again, the same themes. This is the reality of the world around me. So as I'm growing up, I'm going to interact with the world in in this way yeah. because the child will believe that, that that's what the world is like. They're not going to look at a film. A child doesn't look at a film with the critical mind of an adult and say, oh, hang on, this is exaggerated to make drama or, you know, this is humour. They don't they don't understand that. They're just trying, they're sponges trying to absorb how this world works. Mm-hmm. Take it at face value. Mm-hmm. This is how it is. Yes. Whereas an adult will say, oh, well, we all know that's just humour. Oh, we all know that's just a, a literary device to make excitement in the film. Children don't think that way. No. Well, at this you point, know. we would like to remind our listeners that you are listening to The Catholic Home on the Restoration Radio Network. I'm your host, Teresa, and I'm joined by Jacinta and Louise. And today we've been continuing our discussion for the battle for your child's soul by the entertainment industry. We want to remind you that The Catholic Home is a production of the Restoration Radio Network. All rights are reserved, and any duplication without explicit written permission is forbidden. Permission can usually be very easily obtained by writing to mail at truerestoration.org. So where were we? Well, I think, you know, with everything that we've looked at so far, we have to ask the question, what kind of people would make movies and TV shows like this, and why would they make them? Mm -hmm. So I think all parents should do their due diligence before they sit their children in front of any screening. I mean... You wouldn't go and buy a house or a car without, you know, examining everything in great detail first, and that's because we don't want to waste our money. But how much more Mm. precious are our children's souls than our money? Mm. Mm. If we had the choice between the two, we know what we'd pick. It's pretty easy to do the due diligence and just say, (laughs) these are all bad, I don't have to go through them with a fine-tooth comb, do we? We can just say, this is just not an option. Just yeah. like it, no. Good questions like what kind of people make these and, and why? And as you're saying, you must do the due diligence on this. Yeah, I think like if you're if you're not confident that you know the answers to the fundamental questions of, you know, who makes these movies and why and about who is controlling the mass media, well, then you shouldn't consider exposing your children to their brainwashing techniques until such point as you've actually sat down and done your homework about it. And I think, you know, we've in preparing for this show and, you know, in general I think we've done our due diligence there and we're convinced that we know the answers to those questions. So as a result of that, we don't want anything to do with this industry or any of its products given that they are diametrically opposed to everything that is Christ and we won't be using their products as babysitters or teachers for our children. I mean, it's only since my little one started sort of crawling and getting into everything and I'm constantly in damage control that I sort of can understand how parents can fall into that trap of wanting the TV as a babysitter. But knowing everything that I know, you know, about these movies, there's no way I'm going to be... It's just, it's a risk you cannot take. Yeah. But I can see it's very enticing. And yeah. It's very easy to think I can just throw in front of this. And it's interesting because the same mothers who think, oh, I would never put my child in a daycare centre. I would never go out to work. I'm a stay-at-home mother. I want my children to be raised by, by Catholics. Are putting the children in front of movies and they're actually being raised by non-Catholics and even anti-Catholics. So it's you've got you really do need to be aware of just the deep, the depths of evil in these movies. And I think we underestimate just the impact that it does have on kids, but because it's sort of something that we don't think about, we just chuck them in front of the TV, you know, get on with life. Because I suppose it's not going into our heads as much as theirs, but it affects them. We're getting sure. on with the housework. But yeah. as we've discovered, it does actually affect the parents as well. It trains the parents. Yeah, if they're sitting there watching it, definitely, yeah. Or even if it's on in the background, it might still have a subliminal effect, you know, that the parent mm. will pick up some of these things. And, you know, the other thing is, well, isn't it isn't it also an offence to God? Do we really want these blasphemies and things being played in our house? This is this is offensive to Almighty God. We, we could be losing graces and blessings and, you know, having blasphemy in your home. But, well, the other thing that comes to my mind that I just wanted to interrupt and say is that on this show we're, we're telling mums, you know, don't, don't use this babysitter, don't do this, but maybe we should say, you know, a little bit of the positive. 
there are other ways you can babysit your children. There's nothing wrong with putting a baby in their cot for a spell with a few toys and just that's actually really good for a baby to learn how to entertain themselves. Couldn't that be psychologically damaging? No, babies love. <laughs> babies are human beings and like adults, they love a bit of private time to themselves. Believe you me, they'll relish it. You can train your children if you need a break and you need babysitting but you haven't got anyone, a physical person to help you. I don't want to be the kind of person to say, well, you can't do this. But there are other methods. You can just put a young child in a cot for, for a spell. You can put them in a playpen outside. You can keep an eye through the, while you're washing the dishes, watch the window and see everything's okay. And there are other methods. You can train your children to take up, if they're older, hobbies and different games. You can give them a bunch of um, jigsaw puzzles and say, right, mummy's busy for an hour. You play these. I'll come and get you, you know, when I'm free. I'm sure, Teresa, you've been able to train your children to have their own quiet time and give you a break when you need it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, I'm in an easier situation with my children being older now. So we do have the the teenagers and the older ones. But even before, I remember, you know, I had some long-term chronic illness at times where you're just you're so sick and you just think you'll do anything just to get half an hour of rest. And you've got lots of little ones before they were older. And occasionally I did fall for, um, for a long time we didn't even have a television at all, but we caved in, which was probably a mistake. But no, we were very strict with what we put on. But we did cave in and we did get a television with a DVD player with it. And I think, oh, I'll just sort of put them in front of a DVD, which I thought was very suitable and I probably missed a few things. And then I think I'll just go and get half an hour, an hour of just rest. It, but it just wasn't worth it. And um, it's a whole other story. But their behaviour actually changes and it's nothing to do with the content actually of the movie itself. It's just the mere fact of sitting in front of a screen which does affect it changes then, your brain waves that you know studies show you, you pay the price for it. it's not worth it it puts you in like almost a trance like state um apparently they study the upper brain yeah, yeah. The brain or something, and like a, a semi-sleep state which is perfect for it brain makes, washing it makes you more susceptible to, <laughs> to the messaging yeah to the messages in it and less likely to actually question what's in it yes yes and that's it's, it's how it's designed and it's. Uh, I guess you could have a whole other oh, episode know, yeah, on yeah. the whole the whole concept. We won't. We won't go into that. But there are other ways to have your children occupied, which are not uh, damaging to their salvation. So we were talking about. Like uh, Jacinta was talking about the um, the types of people who make these things, and I think it's worth looking into what else Disney makes. So didn't you have a list there? Yeah. So it's important to realize that. Not only have we got Disney, but there's also Pixar and DreamWorks and Marvel products, and you've also got Miramax Films and Touchstone Pictures. So they're all the same people responsible for all of these productions. Why do they need all these aliases? Is that because Disney did, does have a bit of a bad name now? There Maybe are. they don't want to admit it's just one great big monopoly. <laughs> That's probably it, yeah. They, well, just a, it looks better to be some broken up into smaller groups than this one big powerful mm, um, mm. company. Yeah. That's what I would think it would be. And maybe for the management of different types of different yeah. genres of movies that they make. We but, can um, divide it up and corrupt your children in different ways. <laughs> so I think before allowing any Disney, Pixar, DreamWorks or Marvel movies or TV shows into your home, take a look at Miramax's and Touchstone's film list. You find filth and corruption, including open promotion of sodomites, transvestites, prostitutes, and free prostitutes or lascivious women and lecherous men, extreme gory violence and openly sacrilegious attacks on Catholic nuns such as the talented Mr. Ripley, Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill, Cold Mountain, The Crying Game, Swingers, Sister Act, Calendar Girls, Juice Bigelow, Male Gigolo, The Hot Chick, Pretty Woman, Coyote Ugly. I could go on and on. She had horrid, horrid movies. Yeah, some of them are pretty bad. I mean, I know you shouldn't use the ratings these days as any sort of um, yardstick, but the ratings of some of them are bad. So, you know, we know that, you know, their morality code, they spread their anti-Christian code very subtly and well some of them spread it subtly some of them spread it quite openly and it's no matter how they do it it's going to be in all their productions in some way whether marketed to children teens or adults and they you know you've got 
openly bad films that, you know, anyone who says they're a good Catholic wouldn't watch. But then you've got a lot of these films that might seem, you know, fairly good, but in any one of those kind of films, they always chuck in one or two or more things that people who have morals find offensive. But because most of the film's good, they're willing to overlook that. But, yeah, basically, to put it mildly, we have to completely ignore the film classification and rating system, and we have to replace it with one based on Catholic principles. And if we did that, we'd find out that about, you know, 99% of mainstream media over the last few decades warrants a triple N rating. So that is (laughs) no one should watch it, never should have been made, and New World Order Agenda. And I'm not talking about a New World Order under Christ the King, we're talking about the, you know, Freemasonic, Illuminati, Antichrist um, regime. And it's... <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, one thing that I sort of um, think of now and then is, you know, we don't have the list of banned Catholic... Oh, not banned Catholic books. Banned books um, these like, days. Like the Legion of Decency in the yeah, yeah. books. But if you think of um, books that were actually on it when we had a real Pope, something like... Um, I know something like Gone with the Wind yeah. was on it. And that is mild compared to what's out there these days. And if that was banned, can you imagine how few of the movies <laughs> uh, or books that are out yes. there these days would actually scrape through? Based on the reasons why Gone with the Wind was forbidden, I don't actually think there's any movie made probably post-2000 in the mainstream that would actually pass. I honestly think if you apply that, not trying to fudge the boundaries, just honestly just say, well, apply Epikaya to our times, we'll look at what the church said about these previous movies and we'll put them now. I, I don't even think a little tiny kitty's TV show would pass what the standard is. We've kind of um, given Disney a pretty good hammering, which is good. They deserve it. So as we close out this episode, uh, we have covered the grave dangers of children's movies and TV. We zoomed right in on some recent Disney productions to demonstrate amply the evils in them. And I want to thank you, Louise and Jacinta, for your time and being with us on this episode. I'm sure that it's been an eye-opener for all of us. So is there anything else you would like to add in summary before we close out our episode, Louise? Well, we've seen all the shocking things that are in Disney and all those companies of theirs there's magic sorcery um, ridiculing of authority figures rebellious disobedient children prurient images feminism sodomite agenda transhumanism extraterrestrial themes presenting evil and demonic as good but just to add to that something for the users to take away a bit of homework go online and search for yourself subliminal images illuminati or predictive programming and, and apply this to Disney and you will be shocked at what you find. That's what I leave with the listeners today. And this is something that's actually mainstream. Like I know a lot of the um, children that I teach, um, they know that there's subliminal messaging in Disney. It used to be, you know, rewind even 10 years ago and people would look at you weirdly if you would suggest that there was, you know, subliminal messaging in Disney or in any movie. Yeah. And it's something that's just known. It's accepted these days. And it's an interesting that even the term Illuminati, I mean, back in the 80s, if you mentioned the term New World Order or One World Order or Illuminati, you got looked at weird like you, you're some sort of nutter. But now they're open about it. Yeah. They're open about these things. Just, and also, they're no longer hiding it. Kids know what it means. I, I see kids all the time drawing triangles and laughing that it's they're drawing Illuminati symbols. Oh. It's ma- very mainstream. So, um, Jacinta, is there anything else you would like to add as we close out? I would basically just want to reiterate that as parents, we all need to be so vigilant in protecting our children's souls and, and their just their innocence. You know, the mainstream media is controlled by very evil people and they're minions of the devil. They're Satanists, and the end game is the damnation of souls. It's obvious now, due to how incredibly brazen they've become in what they openly promote and portray in their shows, just how demonic it is. Yet the serpent is known for his subtlety, so the films made by these minions that aren't among the totally blatantly evil ones are perhaps the greatest danger to Catholics. The safest course is to avoid them all, or at the very least to be extremely thorough in your discernment process of each and every production.
no one can argue with that advice. Thank you so much. Well, once again, Louise and Jacinta, thank you for your time. And we will talk to you again next month as we close off on this series. So God bless you. If you have any questions for Jacinta and Louise or feedback on this episode, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at Kath at home at truerestoration.org. We'll pass along your questions or comments to Jacinta and Louise. And we would also take this moment to remind you that all correspondence with us is strictly confidential. All of us here at the Restoration Radio Network would ask that if you found this show to be informative, helpful, or in any way beneficial to you and to your faith, that you please consider sending a note of thanks to the clergy who helped make our network worthwhile. Remember that above and beyond material contributions, the most important donation you can make to our work here is prayer. Please think of offering a mass, a rosary, or even a simple ave for our work the next time you pray. For the restoration, I am Teresa, and may God bless you. This program was brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novus Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovusOrdoWatch.org. That's NovusOrdoWatch.org.